Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Facebook Live and our regular town hall. It's so good to see everyone out tonight. I see that people are slowly working their way into the room. And so it's just really happy to be with you tonight. And thanks for uh, being willing to chime in with us and accept our new schedule. Uh, I know we're going every other week now, and I hope that doesn't mean we'll lose too much of our audience, but really looking forward to um, having everyone here and sharing lots of good stuff tonight. Uh, we've got some an array of things to share tonight. Uh, we've got some students here to share a couple of really key things going on. A uh, whole group actually in the background here ready to participate. And then uh, I've got Dr. O here standing by in the background ready to uh, answer our other questions and work with me as always in partnership uh, to round out the evening. But I want to start with something that just came to me a couple of days ago and it happened last weekend. And so Heidi, I wanna bring you on and talk about your experience this weekend. This is Model United Nations we're talking about now. And, and I'm just gonna remind everybody that Heidi was part of my Model United Nations group last year as we were pulling off the middle school right as we went into lockdown. And we kept meeting together through the rest of the year. And I know Heidi, you were part of Zygmunt, which came up and was done virtually this year for the first time. Uh, but why don't you unmute and tell us about your experience this last weekend, because I thought it was unique and some really powerful results that came out of it. Say hi to everybody. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Heidi, and I'm currently an eighth grader in ASW. And so in this weekend, I traveled virtually to South Korea to debate in front of high school students in the No Border Model United Nation Conference. And I was really active throughout the conference. I was giving speeches and submitting amendments. So as a result to my work, I was awarded the best verbal delegate in my community. Yeah. Congratulations, Heidi. I, when I heard about that from Mr. Julian, I was just so proud of you. And I know you were a big contributor to Zygmunt as well back at the beginning. So congratulations to you. How many kids were involved in this? And, I, and I, as I understood it, this was being um, essentially hosted out of Jeju Island. Is that correct? Uh, it's actually hosted in South Korea. I don't know where exactly, but it is an international school. Right. And so I think it's that uh, there's a Jeju Island in South Korea where they've got an international school and many of our teachers out there will know this because they have friends and, and colleagues that are teaching there in the island. And I thought that's where it was being hosted out of. About how many kids were involved? Do you know what the count was for uh, kids that were there? I'm pretty sure overall there were a uh, hundred kids or even more than that. But in my committee, which was the United Nations Environmental Program, there was over 20 kids. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> and so you took on that, that delegation. So tell me about Environmental Committee. What did you guys come up with? What were the issues that you were taking on this time around? So uh, we were actually talking about the current ongoing coronavirus pandemic and how to prevent both the uh, current coronavirus pandemic and future pandemics. So I was representing Italy. And oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a key one. <laughs> yeah. 
and we were finding solutions on how to solve this issue. And yeah. Any, any big solutions that we can learn from as we're trying to take this on around the world? Did you guys come up with some unique ideas? Yes. We thought about making a new coronavirus task force under the World Health Organization to develop vaccines and contribute these vaccines to countries all around the world. Oh, that's and fabulous. Actually, in our school, every year there's a high school segment conference hosted in the American School of Warsaw. And we also have a environmental program. And each year there's over 130 delegates and students from uh, international schools all around, all around the world to come to our school either virtually or physically to also solve these world issues. And I really encourage middle school students and high school students to sign up on CHQ Model United Nations because it is a really fun experience. It is kind of a key activity and we certainly had a lot of fun last spring and I know that we've got Zygmunt planned for the spring again. Um, not probably in a virtual mode because we're still going to be facing these challenges probably at that time, uh, but excited to have a whole new crew that's come up to uh, high school to help Mr. Julian and making this come to fruition for us. Heidi, congratulations. You, you, you really pulled it out and, and did a great job there at the conference. And I want to thank you for coming and sharing it with us. Uh, tonight and, and showing everybody. And um, uh, for you, as well as for your friends, again, keep doing that great work of representing the warriors out there in these wonderful venues. Appreciate it. Thank Way you. to go. <laughs> All right, now I'm going to bring in uh, Mr. Mealy. Mr. Mealy, are you out there? I want to have you tap into a key project that's come up here recently. You can maybe uh, introduce your crew um, I think uh, we've got some amazing things going on in design, but this one is this particular MYP project, and I know we got some recent good news about it as an MYP project. Do you want to tell us more about it? Sure, sure. I'd love to. Um, yeah, I'm very proud of uh, all the students that uh, have been working on this. Uh, it's called the Precious Plastic, and uh, it's sort of an open source um, it's an open source solution to recycling and it's out there for anyone who wants to really start a business, uh, not necessarily tailored for schools. Um, so I, I'm not sure even where the idea started, but it seemed to come from many different fronts. Uh, Ian Wilder was on the, was on the uh, sort of first of the students to come up forward. And uh, we had Julia Ibsen who's here, Ian's here, uh, John Yabuz is here. Uh, Andrew Bernstein was on the deck and uh, John Rattel. So everybody came in and I'm, I'm not mentioning all the students, but we have more uh, and we have some from the lower grades as well. Um, but anyway, I can show you a little bit about uh, the Precious Plastic um, initiative that they uh, have been excited about to establish here at ASW. So um, I could share my screen and give you a, a little bit of a uh, presentation that you, uh, that you saw, I think at one point. 
Yeah, while you're bringing that up, Mr. Mealy, let me just say, yeah, I've been working with this group since last year, and I know uh, there's been a lot of challenges and things that they've uh, faced in terms of developing the project, but they really have brought this to a state of fruition now. And then, so let me turn it back to you, though, and let's get the details out to the crew out there because we want to be able to tell everybody about it. So anyway, this is, um, this is the website that uh, Precious Plastic is on. Um, and we've got uh, most of our information from here uh, and it's been updated. Um, it just keeps getting updated. Like I said, it's open source and there's a lot uh, more about safety now and a lot more about the types of products that we can make. Um, the students, uh, let me see if I go to, the students are, are looking at this as, um, as a solution for, for many things. Their objectives when they came were about um, educating students about recycling uh, and processing plastics. Uh, sharing a mindset of sustainability means that not just, we're talking about just not the materials, but making an institution at ASW, um, making it an institution that um, considers recycling and reusing and our environment as part of the, part of the ethos of the school. Um, so they're, they're looking at, they even put out a survey at one point uh, to survey the teachers uh, who would be interested in using a facility like this, in what way could they integrate it in their curriculum and units. And um, it, was a, it was a great response that we got. A majority of the faculty are like, hey, we're, we're into that. That would be great if we could get it. Um, so, um, and the big thing that I see this is just about giving students the experience of what it takes to start a business. Right. So this is all the, the management and, and thinking that has to go behind um, getting something implemented. Um, and, and, and also, I mean, not least of all, but, you know, it's about our community being able to recycle their own plastic. Um, and to the point where we can produce products which get used by students who are in design classes or in science classes. Um, so it, there's just so many positive aspects to this and it's, and it's no wonder they're excited to do it. And for my role, I'm sort of in the background, you know, it's like these guys are just coming in and they're like, hey, let's, we got this, we got this. And I, um, you know, my hat's off uh, to these guys who were just taking on tasks and saying, and so excited about it. Um, you know, I, anyway, let's, I just want to point out a few more things. Uh, you know, the products uh, that are possible with this. We're looking at um, products that are made from extruding um, plastic. We're looking at products that can be made from injection molding. And we're looking at taking the, you know, the plastic from the waste stream, cleaning it, shredding it, uh, and making it ready to use in those machines. Uh, here's a few examples of the machines. None of the machines come uh, ready-made. So you're looking at students that who last year have gone through the process of looking up and finding each bit of every machine and putting it on a line item of a PO so that eventually we could order it here in Poland, right? It's a huge task. So these guys have done it. We're, we're almost there. We have to get the space and we have to get uh, sort of some more, more things established in terms of the workflow. Um, but, you know, you, this is just a small presentation here of the, of the work that's gone in. Um, and I don't know if I want to push into too many details here. Go back to the one slide though on the grade levels and the, and the flow here, because I think that was an important part that came out of our dialogue. One, one before that, number, number 10. 
So one of the things we talked about as they were developing their project was how, uh, how to make this sustainable, how to make it woven into the fabric of the school. So, you know, all of this came out of that dialogue last year because they went back and took that on and said, okay, where can we fit it into the curriculum? Where can we fit it into extracurricular? How can we make sure that there are our kids on the team who are going to inherit this and carry it forward? So it's not just like a, a seniors project or sometimes you know, our CAS projects that they're just that one time. And as soon as those students leave, we don't, we don't have sustainability in the project. So I think they, they really took that to heart. And what you see here is really understanding how you weave students at all age levels and grade levels, all the way through the MYP, basically, to make sure that it's sustainable and part of the fabric of the school. And I think this is probably one of the more, uh, you know, important and brilliant components of this is it does really get to the school's mission and vision of wanting to incorporate this that came out of accreditation and everything else into the fabric of how we do things. Right, right, yeah, exactly. And, and in the background, Julia has made a video that's gone into uh, sort of an advertisement as far as our uh, activities go to uh, see if we can um, you know, appeal to more of the students. Um, but I mean, every day someone's walking by my classroom and say, hey, Mr. Mila, I heard about this precious plastic thing. Uh, can you include me in the next, you know, in the next meeting or whatever? And so I, I add, you know, every day, one more person to the list. So it's growing, which is really, really fun. And then I, I want to bring John in here. John, do you want to talk about what happened this summer? Because I think that's kind of an extension of this. And this is the time to share, I think, the good news. All right. Okay. So, hey, I'm John. So this summer, in order to move the project forward, we needed some sort of funding and all these machines and all these parts, of course, they cost some money and we needed that. So what we thought of was we could apply for the, for this thing called the MYP Innovators Grant. It's in the MYP and it's basically many students around the world apply to it and uh, say how much money they need and you go through an application process kind of similar to college applications but this one has multiple steps to it we applied first hoping that we would get through to the second round and they got us to the semifinals so we were pretty surprised we got pretty happy it was big news this was around like may i think and then over the summer we had to submit the final application and it was a video explaining why precious plastic is important, how it will change the world, how we can somehow impact our community here at Warsaw and here at the American School of Warsaw. And to our shock, and we were very happy, we got, we won the grant along with 25 other students around the world. And we received $6,000 from the NYP roughly to uh, build these machines and actually make this project a reality at our school. And that's the big success we had. And it was pretty important to us because it showed that we could actually do this thing. And no matter like what obstacles we have ahead of us, it's possible to do something here at AS Warsaw. And yeah. And of course the school was already, I had bought into this. So we were already in the process of budgeting to try to figure out how to at least get you guys started into phase one. So now we can dedicate those funds to the infrastructure, uh, to getting you installed and look at locations. So this, this goes hand in hand with what we're doing. 
But we also want to use this as an opportunity, I think, to push out to the community and ask if there are others out there, uh, particularly those connected to corporations who see value in this as a, par as a partnership opportunity, or just uh, entrepreneurial that see this as an opportunity to help support a unique project that's really meant to be uh, something very important to our community going forward. Um, this is the opportunity. We've got MYP funds. We've got a school commitment to helping to make this uh, come together and, and dedicate some infrastructure work and some funding to help support it. And we're looking for other partners that might want to help us get this off the ground and get it installed and, and make it part of the way we do things. Yeah. What do you think of that, John? Uh, one more thing, yeah, I was going to add. Uh, so the MYP and IB actually set up this program for us. So we're basically integrated with IB on this and they provide us with mentors too. But of course, we're willing to, you know, have more people come here and help us uh, guide this project. And of course, we have amazing people on the team, such as Julia, Ian, Alex. You know, without Julia's help, this application process would be nothing. You know, she was in the background helping us a lot. She's actually the one who came up with the financial report that I presented to the MYP, which kind of helped us win the grant actually, because everything was so detailed. So yeah, I agree with what you said, Mr. Zerfu, and I feel like this, this will be an amazing project this year. Excellent. Alex, you wanna pipe in and offer any thoughts? How, how are you feeling about the project now and, and how do you wanna weigh in on it? Well, um, my role in this project is more of a technical standpoint. But even from a technical standpoint, I feel like it's a phenomenal thing for students to be able to build these machines because, um, well, it's, it may not seem like it, but these, machi these machines stand on what is basically the industry level in terms of recycling and in terms of being able to develop these sort of products. And for other students to have this experience working with essentially what is cutting edge, this is essentially cutting edge for plastic recycling. I feel like it's a phenomenal opportunity to be able to educate and develop these skills in students even from a young age. Hey, Alex, a question for you. I've watched over the last, uh, you know, kind of three, four years as design has really cotton woven into our fabric, but particularly in three-dimensional design with our maker stuff, um, I've watched as we went from basic kinds of things to more and more complex things. And of course, we've added equipment over time and we've added cutters and those kinds of things. Do you think we've reached a kind of school maturity level in design to be able to apply that within this plastics project? Because again, all of what we talked about is a big part of this is what we actually make and whether or not that's sustainable and, and something that people will want so that we're doing something useful. Do you think we have kind of that design level ready to go? I feel, well, our condition in terms of design level, I feel like I'm confident in our schools in design ability, but there's always room to improve, right? I feel like the plastic that we can use, the plastic that we will get from this project will lend itself towards our school's design curriculum. And I believe, I truly believe that the design curriculum will be heavily impacted by the precious plastic because of its ability to give in towards sustainable goals and to modify the design curricular to shift towards a more sustainable mindset. Brilliant. Julia, Ian, I want to bring you guys in too. Julia, you're taking on a lot of the PR challenges here. What do you see as next steps for you guys as you take this forward? And I put the plug in for you already for the corporate community. Anything else you want to add to it? 
Uh, well, when it comes to, uh, we wanted to make it to like spread the news about our project around our community. And uh, as Mr. Me has already pointed out, we have, we will be gaining members and people are also like talking to me in the hallways about what is this great new project. So I'm really excited about that. I'm getting more people uh, involved. And um, since already John said that I'm maybe more, uh, uh, focused on the financial part and putting up the budgets and finding out how we will fund this. Therefore, I'll, for me, I think the next step will be getting maybe a team of people who will work uh, with me on finding investors or uh, discussing with you, with the school, about how we will get this going when it comes to getting the new uh, workspace and everything. You heard Julia, she's your contact, corporate donors out there, find her, okay? And we'll get lots of information out to everybody so that you have opportunity to really get connected to this. Ian, you're kind of providing a little bit of leadership and oversight on this. Why don't you round this out and, and bring it home for us? What's next steps? And I know we're struggling to find a time to get together and meet under busy schedules, but we've got work to do. I will say we've proven that we know how to deal with portable buildings on site. We certainly have lots of examples of that. Uh, unfortunately, currently focused on COVID realities, but uh, what about precious plastics and what do, you, what do you see as kind of our next most urgent steps and then the long haul? Well, I've been sort of working around, you know, the facilities aspects of things and it's kind of, um, you know, I've been sort of thinking about, you know, communicating, trying to figure out a solution to our problems because, you know, from the start, as 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 you mentioned and as Mr. Mealy mentioned, it's been a journey. You know, there's been, we've had to really figure things out as we went along because, you know, this is something on a scale which, you know, may, many of us haven't really dealt with ever. So we sort of, you know, we sort of built on a foundation and I mean, we've come an incredible way from there. And we're sort of right now, you know, we're on third base. We're trying to make it home, right? We have the funding, we have the plan we have. So right now it's all about execution. You know, it's all about driving it home. So that's what we're focused on right now. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, just keep that conversation going. And I, I really appreciate all of you, the way you're also pushing out to your peers and really keeping people informed and trying to, uh, bring them into the project because I think it is it's about you're the guiding coalition right this is where change starts and now that you've started to push this out and we get these little wins one step after another um, I think this really has the potential to take off and become part of uh, what we want to do going forward so thank you everyone for your efforts I know there's been a lot of hours in this uh, going all the way back to the early last year and it survived through through COVID and virtual times and kept going. And I appreciated that as well, that you guys were still keeping in touch with me and still working it. And certainly the MYP may be a little bit of the catalyst to take it to the next level. So very excited for all of you for that. Mr. Mealy, anything you want to bring as conclusion to this? Um, I don't know. Just a big congratulations again to John and everybody else who's made the efforts here. Um, it really was a year's worth of work with with nothing tangible yet, but I don't think I've ever seen students dive in so deeply to something um, and pursue it um, with such a long range of vision. Um, we are at a, a, a place where we just, 
like you say, we have to look for a container. We have to look for that space. Um, and then we're just beginning because these guys, they have to go through this, the organization of, of what is it gonna take to get students to be able to actually process plastic? How do we take it in? How do we facilitate the actual development of products and things like that? Um, huge, huge, wonderful learning experience for everyone. And, um, you know, so thank you very much for allowing us to share and, and congratulate, just a big congratulations to, to all, the, all the kids here. Um, Absolutely the, brilliant. I will say, I'm gonna throw in just a quick side note and say I apologize. And I'm apologizing for the fact that I may have taken a big chunk of your raw materials off the table by installing a bunch of bottle fillers all over the school. I think that might've put a dent in the plastic bottle count that we were doing last year. But I guess that's still the goal. So it's okay, right? It's all good, it's all good. No shortage of plastic, I think, anywhere, so. We'll All right, you guys, thanks so much for joining us tonight and for hopping in. I really appreciate it. And it is just exciting to see uh, this take on and go to the next step. So thanks again for, for taking the time out tonight. Thank you. And you've got lots of positive comments. There's lots of impressed people in Facebook. So go check it out. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to uh, begin sharing on my screen here and just pull up a quick web page. Uh, that we uh, pushed out today. And I want to make sure everybody's aware of it. So let me see if I can get to the right. Uh, it's going to be that one, I'm sure. So I just wanted to share, and Dr. O, you can come and join me as well. I know you're out there someplace. Hi. <laughs> Hi. How are you this evening? I'm fine. I'm fine. How are you? And first of all, congrats to the team on the Precious Plastics uh, Initiative. I'm a big fan in general of, uh, of, uh, uh, of the environment. I have uh, you know, solar panels installed on my rooftop. Uh, I have an electric car. I'm, I'm a freak of uh, recycling. So congrats and uh, way to go, guys. Thanks for that. Hey, I'm just throwing up on the screen here a uh, new web page that we just added to our website tonight. And I wanted to just let people know about that. Uh, my stuff is still hanging over on the fact page. And uh, of course, our big news is uh, you and I collaborated and uh, got our white paper launched tonight, or yesterday, actually. Yes. Uh, and it, uh, that was a lot of work that we put into that to get it up and, and ready to go. But we're very proud of that. And so I wanted to just mention that that's up tonight. Um, we've got, uh, as I mentioned, also a COVID-19 page on our main website now that really details uh, how we're doing things. And we're gonna go more to news release formats. Uh, and so there's a wonderful statement about safety protocols here that's shareable um, so that everybody can uh, take that and, and, and make sure that they're pushing that out. Uh, some of that is of course in response to some news recently, some misquotes and maybe misperceptions uh, that we're trying to address as well. Uh, but we're really trying to be responsive and continue to grow and develop and articulate our program. And there's some wonderful tabs here on the COVID-19 page uh, that get you to safety protocols, uh, the fact that we've got visits closed down right now, the parent home learning resources, updates that takes you to my blog, plus other things that we'll include here, and our, just in case we need them, our virtual learning links. So those are all there and, and ready to keep the community informed. 
Is there anything from uh, the uh, white paper, Dr. O, that you wanted to take and, and, and really highlight? I know there's been lots in the news about various advancements and things going on, and we tried to incorporate all of that right up until the day of publication. But what are you seeing on the horizon right now? It's changing like crazy. I mean, you know, I started working on the white paper a couple of weeks ago, and basically uh, two days ago, uh, I had to add a completely new paragraph and uh, and then I discovered other things even today. So I think there is uh, three things I want to highlight. So one is the CDC and the FDA actually finally got their act together and they published guidelines on the use of rapid antigen tests. So this is big news because so far, uh, you know, we actually did not have anything. We had a lot of science, but there was actually no regulatory guidance. Uh, in, that guideline, in that guidance, again, both from the CDC and from the FDA, uh, they actually started talking about screening, they started talking about surveillance screening, and uh, they kind of started differentiating these three approaches, so diagnostic uh, testing, screening testing, and surveillance testing. Um, uh, so th this is really big. And in fact, in these guidelines, uh, the, uh, you know, the, they basically stress what we're doing already, which is, uh, you know, antigen tests are an excellent tool for, uh, for screening. Uh, they should be used in this um, kind of screening of asymptomatic individuals, and they should be used in uh, repeat uh, testing. So I think this is a this is a this is a, a wonderful uh, you know uh, kind of uh, you know uh, testament to what we have been doing again based on science and based on experience. But here we have actually the, the regulatory agencies uh, 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 stressing that this is actually the, the new era uh, <laughs> of uh, testing. That's, so that's number one. And, that, and that's always the way, right? I mean, it's always the policy that follows the science. It's always the policy that follows the science. Uh, and, uh, and since, you know, I mean, again, th this, this is changing so fast. And I know I had a lot of questions, even from some of the parents saying, you know, were the antigen tests approved for screening? Well, no. And when, when, when we started, they were not. But then two weeks later, they were, you know. Uh, because again, all the science was pointing pointing to uh, this, and it was just a matter of time. I'm happy that it's actually going so fast, you know, because normally we would be seeing those in kind of 2025. Um, and here, uh, both the CDC and the FDA, they're really, really engaging with the, you know, both the manufacturers, but also the clinicians, the scientists, uh, to really, you know, push the needle uh, at a much faster rate as we again enter the autumn season and uh, all the countries are will be and are already struggling with the with the second wave or you know some countries like the us still the first wave and it's really something that is long term because these policy changes are meant to address what the science was beginning to say is that this surveillance testing has to go hand in hand with immunization and other strategies that there, it's never going to be any one thing. It's always going to be a combination of these multiple things that we put together. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this was the, uh, the big, uh, the big news. Um, 
the second one, uh, you know, I, I, I feel uh, very pleased that more and more uh, educational institutions also on this side of the Atlantic are going into the weekly testing protocol. So recently the, the Cambridge University announced, Oxford University now, now announced. So it's good to see that this is the approach that uh, a lot of educational institutions are taking. Uh, and more and more of them are taking this, uh, this approach, uh, given that, again, uh, you know, based on, on the science, this was exactly what we were, uh, what we were predicting, that th this, this would be the approach. Until we have an effective vaccine and until this vaccine is actually you know, widely available to humans, uh, then we, we probably the testing is, is the only way, because this way we can quickly isolate the, the person and not the population, because, you know, again, alternative is isolate the population like we did in uh, early spring. We went into lockdown, but that's not obviously the way to go. And, uh, and, uh, and here this weekly testing and we are seeing also more and more uh, companies going, obviously a lot of schools, but more and more companies going into that, uh, that uh, rhythm. Got it. <laughs> the, a bit of a, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a specific detail on that one was there are actually uh, already schools that launched the program and they have experiences like we do. Right. They're sharing, like we are sharing. And, uh, and this is great. And uh, you know, there, there, there is one which is actually quite interesting, and uh, it's the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, which, uh, which has been touted as the absolute role model. They actually developed their own test. Uh, they uh, they uh, were doing testing very frequently, weekly, even more frequently. And then they had a big outbreak, like 900 cases, you know, over a few days. Wow, that's a big number. Yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously it's a big university, it's, it's you know, right, right. but still 900 is big, you know, and uh, then they had kind of the, you know, the key learnings from this. So first of all, they had to, they had to lock down. Okay, so they went into a two week lockdown. Uh, and then there were two main, uh, two main uh, learnings. So one was, they did not anticipate that students who test positive would be going around to parties. Oh, okay. So this is a little bit about what you were talking about, John, for, you know, every town hall, basically. It's not just what we do at school. It's also what we do outside of school that matters. Right. Because we are part of a big community and whatever we do at school, and again, that's why I have, and John has always encouraged all of you guys to uh, follow the same approach that we have at school, at home, at work, and everywhere you go. Uh, because again, that's, uh, you know, unfortunately, when you go to a party outside of school and then you get uh, infected, the testing regime will not protect the others. I mean, again, we are not testing, you know, 18 times a day uh, or two, two times a day. We're testing weekly, which is the, uh, the, the, the approach. But in the end, if you go around and, uh, and bring something in, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's challenging. So. So be mindful, be mindful what you do in school, be mindful what you do outside of school. It's important, which is why we have the second pillar, protect. You know, yeah. it's not just about testing, it's also about how we uh, go about uh, uh, doing things at school. And then the second learning, which was also quite interesting, was uh, that it's not only about uh, testing, 
but it's also about what you do with this information and how fast you act. Right. And uh, and uh, th this immediate and they basically said, look, uh, the uh, the learning was that we should not be waiting for the uh, you know the typical process where they report. They wait for somebody to react. Then by the time they react, it's a week later, and then it's a spread. So they actually set up their own team, a little bit like we have the crisis team for the React pillar of our Stop, Protect, React protocol, where they actually make decisions immediately. They pull out the kids immediately. When they get tested, within 30 minutes, they are pulled out. Uh, we are even faster. You know? <laughs> so, so I think... Uh, Again, it, it, when I was reading, I'm like, wow, you know, I mean, we, we are actually doing these things and we kind of anticipated in this protocol that this would be happening. And, uh, and, uh, and we have implemented, again, these three pillars, Stop, Protect, React, and React also being an important part where, again, every time there was a, a case, uh, we basically had, you know, immediate uh, communication and we had same day decisions. And this is, this is where sometimes if you rely entirely on policy, that policy can be the enemy of practice. Sometimes because if we had followed, you know, tight, if we had followed letter of policy, we would have reported to this agency, talked to that agency, waited for a response and then made decisions. And that just doesn't make any sense. Not when you have the safety protocols in place that we've put in play. Yes. It really is about the crisis team at the end of the day. That's where the focus is and its ability to make a decision right in that time. And it goes hand in hand with what I've said to parents is this commitment to informing them when something comes up within that first 24 hours so that they can take action, you know, that they everybody can hunker down for that period of time and, and wait for updates and make sure that we're being prudent in our actions while we're seeing the scope and, and the depth of it and making sure we're responding to it. Absolutely. So I think this is, this is really important because again, the test, you know, it's not the cure, you know, in the end, it's, we are still looking a bit in the rare mirror. Obviously the rare mirror is quite uh, short-sighted in that respect because we see kind of, you know, every week what's happening. And then once we have a case, we actually increase, as you know, to every uh, to twice a week uh, testing, so that again the rare mirror is is really really sharp. So uh, so, uh, but still it's a rare mirror. So we have to in order to look forward, we actually have to take decisions, which is why you know this React protocol and the crisis team, where uh, you know the we basically meet every day, right, in the crisis team when there's something, and then until it gets resolved, there is a daily meeting and yep. daily decision making and. We are, the two of us are often on the phone, you know, three, four times a day. In these. Right. <laughs> Which I appreciate greatly, by the way. I just want to say that up front. No, no, it's, it's my pleasure. And it's obviously the, the way to go, you know, because I, I don't think there's any other way. Because you, you bring up a good point. I mean, because it's, it, yes, it's crisis team, but it's also um, the individual interactions. So yeah. oftentimes our calls are, I've been pinged by a parent on a particular issue. Right. I need to have you as a sounding board to say, okay, what do you think of this? And then I have to turn that around quickly again in react protocol yeah. to the parent to say, no, we need to do this, or this is the line, or this is the protocol, or this is what we need to do. And that that's as much react as the crisis team is. Uh, 
Absolutely, absolutely. And it's part of the daily decision making. You know, I mean, it reminds me, I spent uh, only four years in uh, medical practice, but all, you know, in all those four years, I actually had, uh, I was active in uh, the emergency room. And it reminds me a little bit of the emergency room situation. So, you know, you kind of, you, you see a patient who needs, you know, you kind of need a decision. Uh, now, you, you don't consult with the, you know, second in command, the third in command, the fourth in command, uh, because you have 20 seconds to take a decision. So you don't have enough time to consult. Right. You, you basically do. And, uh, and that's a bit what we're doing here. Obviously, the, you know, time pressure is less, uh, uh, less critical. But I remember those, uh, you know, there was this, uh, this famous KPI that my boss introduced, uh, which was called uh, decision to incision. Time. So when there was a surgery required, he kind of measured what was the time between decision of the to, uh, to, to surgery and the actual first incision, you know, and for those, uh, for the, for the urgent cases, the time, uh, I think the time was two minutes, had to be two minutes. Wow. <laughs> So, so this was kind of, you know, and, and I remember vividly those times and, you know, the, one of those uh, stories stuck with me until today, which is, you know, there was this uh, pregnant woman who again was in, uh, was in uh, uh, this preeclampsia, which is this uh, high blood pressure and it's, it's a life-threatening condition both for the woman and for the unborn child. So again, this was this kind of decision to incision type of time frame. So we had two minutes. So, uh, and then, so we wheel her the, you know, the surgery room was uh, in, on the first floor. So we usually had to take the elevator uh, and the elevator got stuck. So uh, there was no time, you know, to, to, you know, call anybody. So we basically, me and my colleague, we actually lifted the woman with our hands and then took her up the stairs you know, and put her, put her on the OR table. So this was the kind of, you know, uh, quick reaction times that, uh, that uh, I was used to in the ER. And here, I think it's also a bit like that. Again, the times are a bit less, but again, this is the approach that we have. Uh, and I think it's a good one. And uh, this uh, experience from the University of Illinois shows uh, that we need to do this type of approach uh, in order to really make the best out of all the testing and all the other protocols that we are uh, using. Right. Make, make, make the best of all the different components yeah. and be able yeah. to utilize them. But that means a group of people around a table talking it through and then making decisions on a, on a timetable so that we can have the most positive effect for kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, parents, if you would like to jump in and start asking questions, please feel free to do so. I know I've seen a couple already. Um, I was going to just shout out, though. I saw Kinga was uh, in the uh, Zoom call with us. Kinga, did you want to ask a question directly? I've been trying to get that for a couple of weeks now, and I was hopeful that maybe uh, you, you wanted to say hi or even announce something. Are you out there, and do you want to join us? I don't know if you can unmute or if you're able. Maybe not. Maybe we're shy tonight. It's okay. Um, Robert asked a question here about our morning time and our morning surveys. And basically, and I know people are struggling with it a little bit, the 7.30 a.m. deadline for getting the survey. And of course, this is all a product of how early we start school and how early kids are allowed to arrive at school. 
Uh, but Robert, I think uh, I was very close to announcing this. I think I'm going to be able, now that the systems seem to have stabilized, I think I'm going to be able to relax that time to 745. Uh, our biggest issue is we're getting data very well from OK for School, uh, but it's uploading it into our into our badge system, which then reads the wristbands of the kids. Uh, that takes a little bit of extra time, not a lot, but five, 10 minutes makes a difference in terms of being ready before the kids start walking through the door. But now with the last couple of days and a lot of good stability, I think I'll be able to float out in tomorrow's update uh, that everybody can have till 7.45 on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, 8.45 on Wednesday. And of course, we've always been flexible on the weekends as you're doing Saturday, Sunday to pick that up um, anytime um, during the first half of the day is fine with us, as long as we're keeping that track record of the daily attestation going. Um, so hopefully, Robert, that'll help. And if we can tie it tighter based on, on making sure that our systems are getting that update uh, effectively, uh, then we'll push it even a bit further if we can. But again, our schedule is such that the first kids are starting to walk through the door at eight o'clock. So I think 15 minutes prior to that to make sure everything's aligned is pretty good. Uh, if I can strip it down a little bit further, I will certainly do that. Um, but uh, uh, thanks for the question and I hope that helps a little bit. Um, I'm not seeing other questions. So Dr. O, what are we going to do with ourselves? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's only 7.46, my God. <laughs> uh, when kids lost the bracelet, there's a question about bracelet. How long does it take them to get a new one? I think usually less than a day. Uh, I think our challenge yesterday and today is we have uh, someone out sick uh, in the security department, not COVID, but just a regular cold. Uh, and uh, I think we're hoping to get him back here quickly so that we can get the bracelets. I, I was in the line this morning and I saw we had, I think, one who had lost a bracelet. And so they took them right into the office, made sure they got it ordered. And I think it might have been in their hands by the end of the day. If not, it'll be in their hands first thing tomorrow. But we turn those around really quickly. Um, and we do have a sufficient supply, although please try not to lose them. I mean, that's what we want to do is have people hold on to them. So Isabel, I hope that helps answer that question. Um, anybody else out there? Um, you know, it just was so great focusing on educational stuff again. Yeah, seriously. It's hard. I enjoyed that as, enjoyed that as well. <laughs> we do have uh, our open houses going on uh, this week and next. Uh, I think we kick off with elementary tomorrow night. So I want to do a big shout out to that. Um, so I really want to make sure everybody's seeing that uh, as well. Um, uh, and, and then next week is upper school, uh, similar scenario. Let's see. Um, we, I have somebody who's asked about a board resignation uh, that happened on Monday night. Happy to say, yes, we did have a board member resign Monday night. I think that's a board matter and certainly better discussed uh, within the board. But I don't think that will uh, reduce at all any any advice that we get, a person is still very much a part of our community and we'll still reach out to him as we reach out to all of our parents with expertise when we're looking at gathering information about our decisions. And, uh, and the board's been wonderfully supportive and I, I would be remiss to try to suggest or guess at any of the reasons behind the decision. That was that person's decision. And so it's not really appropriate to discuss that in this venue. 
Um, but you're welcome at board meetings. And uh, I know that many of you joined us on Monday night and, uh, and helped us uh, walk through an agenda to get the year kicked off with our terms of reference. So I'm happy to see that. And by the way, Mr. Sheehan just confirmed that uh, the badges come out quite within a day and happens very quickly. So uh, there's a confirmation from high school at least. Um, the continuing outdoors as the weather changes, we're still gonna try to do that. We're looking at unique ways to use covered areas and things within our things. So Amy, thanks for the question. Of course, in the dead of winter, you're right. It's still, we're gonna struggle with that a little bit. We will want kids to be wearing warmer clothing because we'll still be looking to ventilate classrooms and we will you know, crank up uh, the uh, airflow into the building. We'll keep doors open. I've talked about this before. Our policy now is doors will remain open throughout the building to maintain continuous airflow. This was all part of the audit recommendations, Dr. O. So I, I know you're already familiar with that. So we'll keep, we'll keep working that. And then we're gonna look at creative ways we can use portable coverings outside and particularly in our courtyards. It's been amazing to see how our courtyards have become so usable. Uh, I was out there at uh, snack time with uh, fifth graders today and they were gathered like picnics on blankets in various corners on the grass and really enjoying the out of doors. And it doesn't look like the weather is going to turn too quickly. So uh, we're hopeful that we can eke out as much of the late fall. Um, but as we get into winter, we have strategies. We'll continue to uh, keep circulation of air. We're not going to close rooms up and turn up the heat. We're going to keep it a, a little bit cooler, but comfortable. Uh, but we're going to keep the air flowing and keep that as part of our protocol. So hopefully that will help. Um, there we go. So elementary, Mr. Flagger just confirmed also they're turning around new badges in a day. So we're doing pretty well on that. Um, Eric is bringing up the Business Insider article, and I mentioned that previously. Dr. O, you also contributed to that because I think they asked you questions as well. Yeah. Why don't you reflect on it, and then I'll I'll take it from there. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, so. First of all, they they ask us question and questions, and we responded diligently, you know, immediately within twenty four hours. And in fact, I was extremely open about everything, including the pricing that we have. Um, so the uh, so I because I you know I I I really believe that um, the approach that we have is uh, the correct one. And then and again within the pricing that we have, the 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 level of service that we provide, I think, is a good one. And again, what we were discussing here, you know, the participation in the crisis team, the ongoing advice. The webinars, my participation in the town halls, uh, you know, they're, they're, this is not charged extra. This is part of the whole package. Mm -hmm. So, um, because I really care, and again, you know, although I don't have kids at ASW, but I have kids. I have three small kids. Uh, I mean, three kids. One is bigger. One mm -hmm. is a teen. Um, but uh, the 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 idea was that we provide the service uh, at, at literally you know, very uh, little uh, margin uh, and ensuring that the kids have safe schools. So that's number one. Number two, uh, I, was, uh, I was a bit uh, disappointed that the article showed only one side of the story. And I'm sure, uh, John, you can address this, but uh, I actually received quite a few messages from parents I know at, the, at ASW 
who were saying, uh, why was this article so one-sided? Because there are actually many parents, probably most, who are actually happy. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe, you know, there, there is an inconvenience. There is an extra layer. There is an extra effort that is required from you. And we appreciate this. But again, we're not doing this uh, for the sake of doing this. We're doing this to protect uh, the kids, to protect the community, and to protect you in the end, the parents and the grandparents. Uh, three, uh, I was also uh, slightly disappointed with the comments, and I hope they were taken out of con context to fit the reporter's uh, agenda of Sanepid, uh, because I don't know if you noticed, but uh, at, at some point, the uh, Sanepid uh, spokesman said, uh, well, actually, COVID is not worse than the flu, uh, and kids actually don't have symptoms. So why bother with protecting the schools with all these extra measures so that kids, because kids don't have actually symptoms. And I was a bit uh, shocked with this comment because, uh, you know, coming again, even if it was taken out of context, then the, re the reporter should have underlined that, look, I mean, this is not as much, it is protect is about protecting kids, but it's protecting uh, teachers. You know, teachers are not, you know, teachers can get sick. It is about protecting the parents who are at home. It is about so. Uh, it is about protecting the grandparents. It is about protecting the community. Kids transmit coronavirus, so it's not like they are asymptomatic and they don't transmit. They are infectious to others. So, yeah. so again, uh, um, it's uh, uh, it's. I think it's it's a bit uh, unfair. I mean, in the end, uh, you know, from, from my standpoint, the messages that I provided and the content that I provided as part of the answers were included diligently. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how uh, about yours, uh, because I'm sure they asked you as well. Uh, so I was actually happy with this, that they actually you know, kind of did not skew any of the, co of the comments that I made in writing. Uh, but again, I, I, I thought it's a bit, uh, a bit, uh, a bit too negative. Um, and to be honest, uh, you know, I actually received quite a lot of uh, emails and messages from parents from other schools, saying that we would love to have this kind of an inconvenience in our school. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's not just your other schools here that are talking to you, but certainly schools throughout the CISA region are continuing to look at us as as setting a bit of an example. Yeah. I guess I, I was I was struggling with like you suggested, and I want to highlight this point that the questions that were sent to us did not disclose to us what the parent had said to them. So it was more generic questions, which, like you, we diligently answered and built you know good comprehensive information for the reporter. And I don't think it was as effectively incorporated into the article what we said, yeah. uh, because we talked about, you know, the history and the parent input that has been part of this every step of the way uh, to come to these conclusions. So to take that and turn it into suggesting that I was somehow transferring responsibility to you at Epixpert when in fact we built this as a key partnership where we're both taking responsibility for taking care of our kids and our families um, was, was surprising. But normal journalism in my frame of reference and certainly in the educational world would suggest if you've got a quote from somebody, you share that quote so that we can That's respond right. to that quote. Exactly. Exactly. 
and and so it felt like ineffective journalism in the way that it was placed in front of us. If we had been given those parent quotes, we could have crafted our answers differently and provided the reporter with a more balanced point of view. And I think that was my only frustration. But it's media. It's news. These things are going to happen all the time. And I, I'm not frustrated by it, nor am I frustrated with a parent contacting the news on anything that they want to share with them. Um, you know, I, I, I support, you know, the ability for people to express themselves um, as I do for all my kids and, and the issues that they bring to the table. So, you know, to go to say anything different just wouldn't, it wouldn't be appropriate. But in terms of the of the actual reporter and the ability to respond to specific quotations directed at us. Um, I think that was my main concern about the article. Um, and certainly now the white paper really addresses many of those other uh, bits and pieces as well and, and dismisses them as, uh, as not factual by any stretch of the imagination in terms of what we've crafted. So all good. Um, I'm going to just scan back through here and see if there's anything else. I'm not seeing much. Uh, there's lots of reminders here about one PTO general meeting tomorrow at 845. We're going to be near the high school entrance out on the grass again. I promise we have a better screen tomorrow. It's smaller, but you'll be able to see it in the daytime sun. Um, ES, uh, Mr. Flattiger is reminding us ES is loving using all the outdoor spaces. So great there. Um, AFWPTO also chimed in. Um, high school and middle school counselors will be joining the PTO meeting tomorrow to share with us their new initiative. And they've got some fabulous stuff teed up to work with parents and with families uh, to continue to hone in on this. We talked about it a bit at the board meeting Monday night, but pushing it out again uh, to make sure everybody knows. Uh, Mr. Flattiger is reminding us about ES conferences coming a little bit further after our back to school night in October. Uh, so October 8th and 9th, but sign-up's going to be uh, set up for that really soon, and they're coming together quickly. Um, and then thank you for all the positive comments. We're getting uh, a flurry of parents saying thank you. Um, and, I, and really, the, everybody's speaking out saying they read the article and was sad about the critics, uh, but they, that many happy parents here. So Dr. O, consistent with what you received, with what I received yeah. this morning, uh, you know, it's been a wonderful validation of the work that we're continuing to do. So I think with that, we're at the one hour mark and I might be a good time to go home and get a good night's sleep. What do you think? Hey, go for it. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, we're really uh, grateful for everything the parents are doing out there and for everything um, that the whole community is contributing to teachers. Um, who are staying the course uh, to all of our support staff and our cleaners and everyone else, our supply, our facilities people. Dr. O, your team that's helping with the testing right now, they've got a rhythm. I got to tell you, they've got a rhythm together now. And when they're doing more kids because we're doing the follow-up checking, uh, they just jump to it. And they've just been a wonderful crowd. So my thanks to them and to you uh, uh, for really uh, stepping up to this. Um, anything else from you before we take them out? No, and uh, also uh, many thanks to to the parents. I know uh, you know we've we are now uh, closing in on the first month actually uh, of the school functioning, 
and uh, you know it's uh, it's it's been great it's been a great uh, experience for me and a, and a great learning uh, and I want to hear from you as well. So uh, I, I always stress when you want to contact me, please uh, contact me directly. I always respond. I have many parents contacting me and I always tell uh, John that they do. And I kind of, uh, but, but uh, so, so there is, uh, there is, uh, there is interest. So please do. I'm happy to, uh, to, uh, to respond. I'm happy to listen to any feedback you have and incorporate this feedback. And we also get we are we're getting this feedback as well huh, from uh, from parents and we appreciate this so continue please continue because again uh, you know this is all new for us as well so we are you know as, as much as we have gotten into the rhythm now uh, and as much as again i'm uh, on a daily basis uh, following up on what is out there in the scientific world uh, and in the practical world uh, obviously there are other things and uh, if you have any ideas uh, do reach out, uh, let us know. Uh, and, and again, uh, in closing, you know, I, we are working with a lot of schools. We are also not working with a lot of schools. And, uh, and those schools we are not working with, a lot of them are calling us and asking, you know, oh, because we had a case, what do we do? And, uh, and uh, I, I always go to them and uh, discuss and share what you, what the ASW is doing and uh, what a great program it is. And how important it is to implement those three layers, you know, and again, I, I cannot stress enough uh, how important all three are, because there is no single, uh, you know, no single golden bullet yet. Uh, and uh, and uh, so thank you for all you, you are doing uh, in school for what you're doing at home with your kids, uh, continue talking to them about the situation. Um, you know, this will be the generation of COVID and, uh, and they will learn completely new skills as well, thanks to this, which will, uh, I think, in the future, make them healthier human beings. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Words, words well spoken, sir. Thank you for that. Uh, before I close here, I just want to add one more word. And I may not have said it uh, in, in responding to the question about the board changes, but I just want to do a shout out uh, to Arthur. This is from me to you, Arthur. Um, you've been such a wonderful partner for me during your five years, almost five years on the board. Um, you are, are on the board since I arrived and we've worked and done amazing things together uh, during your tenure. And so I just wanna make sure that I put that punctuation on it that while uh, I, I, I'm sad at your resignation. I just want to know that you are valued for everything you've contributed to this school during your entire time um, at ASW. And I want to thank you so much for that. And I know we'll find other opportunities to validate um, all of that work that you've contributed. So please know uh, from me to you, uh, thank you for everything. All right, with that, then I'm going to take us out. Have a wonderful evening, everyone, and uh, please stay safe out there. Uh, and we'll be back again in two weeks. So we're on a two-week schedule now. That means September 30th, uh, we'll be back together. So thank you very much uh, for joining us, and we'll see you in two weeks. Here we go.